0: Alright guys, so today we have Steve Paulsonella with us, how you doing man? Good, how you doing? So uh, Steve and I briefly met maybe half a year ago, it turned out actually so I'm working and I see this massive individual come in and uh, I asked you because I, I recognized the last name and I said are you related to Mike Paulsonella?" and you said he was your cousin right? Right. And I knew that he had done some of the films with Ty Green and some of these other lifters um, and then you had mentioned. I knew you had done like obviously a huge lifting background. Mm-hmm. So you told me about your gym, and then I looked on your Instagram and I saw the "Do you even lift?" meme, which I'll include in here at some point. And I saw that meme like I, mean, I don't know how old that is. Ten years? Probably sure, about old. ten years. Yeah. I saw that, and like that was just a hilarious meme that stuck out in my head. And the <laughs> fact that that guy was my patient. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, it was it was like mind blowing me. It was so funny. Um, So this is my first time checking out the gym, so you want to tell us a little bit about what you have here? Well, we
1: started out uh, in 1995, that's when we incorporated and opened up, and it was a small little gym, it was up the street actually, it was just like a size of a -a 2.5 car garage I guess, and it was a little key club, it was just a place when I was doing um, straw man I was competing heavily, I needed a better place to work out than little health clubs that were around, so me and my brother put together a little place with some bumper plates and platforms and lots of weights, and just no rules, anything we we wanted to do in there. And uh, we let other guys do it up at defray costs, really. I mean, really kind of put it together for me. But uh, it kind of caught on. We didn't have a sign or anything. It was just like an underground kind of thing. And yeah. guys loved it. And uh, this, this building we're in now became available after about four years of us being in the little place. And I said, you know, if we're this successful in this little place, let's extrapolate that into a big place. Yeah. And we'll probably actually make money. Of course, I was wrong. <laughs> but we got into the big place anyway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, early on, we were one of the first, like, commercial yet strength based gyms like back then it was just you know chain gyms yeah. and bodybuilding gyms and There wasn't really like you see now you see a lot of them but back then you didn't see that like we were the first gym that had like you know bumper plates available to people and like good Lico bars and straw man equipment yeah. and stones and things like that no one had that back then now I see them in every gym every health yeah. club every CrossFit gym has all that stuff but right and also early on in the early 90s, my brother was really into making websites, back when you had to really know your shit to make a website. Yeah, right. You know, you had to actually know like HTML and all that. Yeah. Um, he started a website for us that was one of the few gym websites out there at the time. It was just, you know, early on the internet, it was just basically porn and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> porn in the news. Yeah. And then there was our, our gym website that became really popular, you know, because a lot of people hit on it. So we got a real good following, a real good name, you know, even around the world and, and nationwide from all that. Yeah. Plus, I was competing, you know, internationally, and I was right. always, I was always competing, and I was in the, some of the magazines, and yeah. you know, started popping up other strength websites and stuff. So, you know, we just kind of surfed in on that that yeah.
0: uh, wave. Yeah. I mean, it looks, I mean, it's obviously at some point we'll, uh, I'll just scan around the gym so everybody watching can see. Um, obviously right now due to the whole issue going around the world, you're currently closed, which has been maybe almost a month now. No, almost two months. Now. Almost two months. Yeah. Wow. No, no, it's coming up.
1: Yeah. It's coming up in a month. And by the time we open it, maybe may be two months, I'm hearing, but I don't know.
0: We'll, yeah, I still so, don't know yet, so it's obviously crazy, but if anybody is in, I mean, even anywhere like Pennsylvania or Jersey, you should check out this gym. Other um, people that have been on the show, Mike Isertel, and he's been here a lot.
1: Mike's a member here,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, Paul Canu has been here. There's a lot of pictures on Instagram with him yeah. here. Um, it, it's an awesome gym, so we should definitely check it out if you're in the area. So you mentioned that you were competing. Give us a little bit of history there. I mean, obviously, you're a big guy. I know you've had some crazy lifts. So,
1: well, I mean, the history of my, my my competitive history anyway was, you know, I started lifting really young. I was like thirteen, twelve or thirteen. I did my first power powerlifting meet at fourteen. Wow! And um, I powered lifted from fourteen to about I was about twenty four or so, okay. and uh, I did a lot of contests in that ten year. I used to compete all the time, so yes. I had a hundred contests.
0: Um, Do you remember your best uh, platform lifts? In a meet? No, it's just hour uh,
1: my best squat ever was seven fifty-five, I think. And that's just with a belt and knee wraps in a gym and yeah. I benched five oh five in a gym and I deadlifted seven sixty-five. Nice, man. But there were some other heavier things I've like lifted and pulled and pushed and stuff in meets I Yeah, I yeah. Um then, then after I was when I was twenty four I took a hiatus there because I had like I had two young kids at the time. I just oh, started my family real young. And I still lifted, but I didn't compete for four or five years, and then I started doing straw man stuff in my late twenties when really the, the sport of straw man was only in Europe before that. There was nothing right. in this country. From like the early 80s to the early 90s, absolutely nothing it was, was like going on bang. straw man wise. Yeah. So, some early contests started popping up and I saw some advertisers for them. So, I, you know, I started competing in those and they were pretty cool. I won every contest I ever was in except for the world's first really? man. Yeah. Wow. I was only in a, a few before I started doing Highland Games. Yeah. Then I did Highland Games for like almost 20 years. That yeah. was really my main sport that right. I really focused on after that. So.
0: So, for people who don't know, what are the differences, Obviously, there's a pretty big difference between like people who do bodybuilding and then powerlifting, powerlifting, and then strongman. What's the difference between strongman and the Highland Games?
1: Strongman and the Highland
0: Games. Highland Games is uh, a very old
1: sport, a very old traditional Scottish sport. We always have to, we have to wear kilts when we compete yeah. and everything, and um, it's all throwing events. So it's all like the stuff you see, kind of track and field ish, um, but much heavier, and we it's. Anywhere from it could be anywhere from five events to maybe nine events. They they will contest hmm. like hammer throws and a shot put with a piece of stone and yeah. some heavy weight throws and things like that. And of course the caber, which is the big telephone yeah. pole you see the guys toss. Right. Um, straw man is more brute strength oriented, pushing, pulling, deadlifting, pressing, overhead, logs, yeah. stones, barrels, and all that. So it's a little different. The Highland Games is a little more skill involved, hmm. but you're doing the same events every week. Whereas straw man, to every contest you go into. Is a slightly different uh, gotcha. array of events.
0: Did you find you were better? Like, what was your best? The Highland was probably your best. I one. was
1: better at the Highland Games because I wasn't quite big enough. I'm just barely over six feet tall. I just wasn't... I didn't have the stature to be a real real good world-class straw man. Yeah. I was only about 300 pounds. When I went to the world's strongest man, I was 300... Coincidentally, the guy that won that year was the exact same size as me. Right. Magnus Magnus said, me and him were the same height, just about, and the same weight. But the other guys there were just absolutely mammoth. And the guys today are just sure. far and above what those guys even were. I mean, the, the events now, I mean, some of the weights in that contest I was in, women do today in amateur meets. Seriously, really? our farmers walk weights were 205. 205! <laughs> They're doing like... 450, 500 pounds almost now. That's insane. The heaviest stone I think in the stone series it had was only 300 pounds.
0: It is. Like amazing. 300 pounds is
1: literally in women's contests they use those.
0: Do that. Yeah, uh, I, I can't say I followed a ton of like the women competitions, but it is insane to see. I guess part of it is people doing it for longer, people getting more consistent with it, but also the more popular any sport gets. You see this with a lot of sports that weren't very popular and they get more and more popular. You have these genetic freaks that kind of come out, right? You get the top of the top. And they're all coming out of the woodwork now.
1: In the last five or six years, you see... Guys like Brian Shaw and Thor—they're just you know six, eight, six. Did you nine, see Thor's ten. deadlift this past weekend? Yeah, yeah, I saw them. Insane. Yeah. So
0: people who don't know, he, he just hit five hundred one kilograms, which I think is eleven. He's and a four. young
1: guy still, relatively. He's yeah, gonna little Stronger, yeah.
0: Yeah, I saw. So he's got a lot to go. Man. Have you seen the there. beef with him and Eddie Hall? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they might have a boxing match. I don't know why anybody would
1: watch those two guys fight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't want to fight either of them, but yeah. it's <laughs> not going to be <laughs> a visually exciting. No, it's not.
0: But I, I mean, I'd watch it. It's
1: going to be like two guys just trying to
0: gas of breath. Yeah. Right, whoever's got the better card. Throwing it. haymakers <laughs> at each other. I don't
1: know who's, I don't know. I guess who's it's I gonna do? be a pay-per-view or something. Yeah, right?
0: apparently, right? I mean, well, when you think about it with the lockdowns so. and everything, Thor's unofficial, or official, I guess, depending on who you're asking, um, deadlift was like one of the biggest sporting events, right? It had It so was many the only fields.
1: live sporting event that's been on TV in right. quite a while, yeah. So things like- ESPN's now showing like frisbee throwing really? and all kinds of weird, <laughs> like I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I actually like it better. Yeah. yeah, I like it better than college basketball, I
0: know Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, oh, do you know, so people will often see that really good bodybuilders don't necessarily make the best power lifters and vice versa, right? Of course, if you have a ton of muscle, you're still going to be strong, but there's certainly plenty of examples where guys who are really aesthetic, they might not be super strong and vice versa. Would you say, though, that most of powerlifting transfers over to Strongman in Highland, or would you say they're actually still pretty different? Like some people who are great at powerlifting might not be so good at Strongman.
1: There have been world-class powerlifters that have gone into Highland Games meets and have been thoroughly embarrassed by really? very thin, skinny guys. Really? <laughs> like I said, it's, if you don't know what you're doing, like I went to my first Highland Games, and you compete as an amateur first, and most of the amateur guys are smaller, you yeah. know? And there's the pro guys on the other side of the field and a bunch of big guys. Well, here I was, just off the World's Strongest Man Contest on 305 pounds or so. I'm competing with these tiny little guys who dusted me. I got beat by a guy that looked like Santa Claus with a big, gray beard. He was chain-smoking all day. Beat my ass in my first Highland Games meet. I'm like, man, this is an eye-opener. Wow! I should be over there with them giant pro guys. I'm over here getting beat by these tiny little amateur guys. Luckily for me, though, I had a real good knack for it, and I, I... I, I learned real quick and had yeah, you know, a couple guys that really were, were good teachers too so that helped me out a lot. And I became a pro like right away, like yeah. within four or five amateur meets.
0: Well that's what's interesting I think because it's interesting like powerlifting not transferring immediately to strongman I can see because there's almost, not there's a skill component to powerlifting of course but it's not these dynamic movements like strongman. Right. I would have thought more so if you're great at strongman you'd be great at highland but I guess it's still like a different There sense. are a lot of guys that, that, that sneak over. I mean there are a lot of guys that do, I mean
1: back in the day they, all the strongmen. Especially like the 80s era, like John Paul and Capes and all the guys, they all did both. Yeah. Because the, the people who were running Strawman back then were Scottish Highland Games promoters. Right. So they would have That's them right. over to various games in Scotland and bigger games over there. And those guys were really good. Like Sid Marshall was good. Casmire did a bunch of Highland yeah. Games over there. They you know, they, they kind of had to. They made them do yeah, it. Even right. though they, it's kind of foolish at first, I guess. <laughs>
0: So what do you see? I know you've mentioned on your Instagram before. I I couldn't find it. Actually, I was looking for it recently. There was a picture of you, I think, with Dave Tate. And you were talking about how, you know, not that long ago, you were writing articles, I think, for Elite FTS and how it's so different even just from 10 years ago. Oh, And, you know, while I am a young guy, I've actually been lifting as well since I was 12 years old. And so I've seen the culture change. And I saw where it was forums and Elite FTS. I always look at the Q&A on there. and, And now it's, you know, I... I've seen positive changes. It's good that things are getting exposure, but I've also seen a lot of negative changes where you have people on who, they're basically just social media stars and they haven't necessarily done a lot. Right, And that's where a lot of the the people are getting their information. So what are some of the frustrating challenges that you've seen over the years? Or not even, just some of the changes you've seen. Right. Most of the changes you see now, and
1: a lot of things like, when I talk to guys like Dave Tate, I'll talk to Ed Cohen, I'll talk to Kirk Kowalski, the one thing that just gets under everybody's skin is anybody with an Instagram account now is a fucking expert? Yeah. When back in the day, you had to actually pay real dues. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave had to go up through, you know, working out at Westside and have Louis Simmons, you know, yeah. basically make an ass of him and work your way up and then try to get yourself in with the crowd of the, of the better lifters and, and train at night where the good lifters were instead of like the secondary lifters and things like that. You know, Ed Cohen started when he was a little kid and worked his way up. All these guys, and now all you gotta have is an Instagram account and right. you're, you're basically you're fucking insta-famous and all. Again, I don't really care. But I'm just saying that's the real big difference is yeah. people are acting, you know, have, have huge followings who really haven't done shit. Yeah. You know, girls that are kind of pretty and they lift, but they're not really, you know, yeah. anything in the lifting world. But now they're giving everybody advice and people are like asking them questions like they're experts. Yeah. Now, whether those the answers are good or not, I really don't know. But that's the real thing. that seems to irk a lot of the old timers. It's like sure. Powerlifting back then was, was like such an underground thing. Right. And if you went to a power to meet, Everybody there was strong. Yeah, I mean, it was like you didn't go to a power unless you were a, a guy who lifted weights for a bunch of years and was strong. And now you go to a meet and there's like three strong guys and two hundred people that aren't strong at all. Yeah, again, it's open for everybody. It's fine, and everything, but that's really the difference. Is like it's not like that under, underground thing like it used to be. You know? Sure.
0: Yeah, and, and I've heard a lot of people talk about there's great camaraderie in powerlifting, and so I imagine it's nice that you can go somewhere and you can have a lot of support, even if you're, you know, if you're a couple years in you probably are weak at that point but you are getting that support as long as you kind of understand I don't want to say like your place but you understand where you are in your progression you know that you haven't been doing it for 20 years and certainly obviously on Instagram you see it with women all the time definitely
1: more support now than there was back in the day because I remember you go to meets, you know when I was back in the '80s and everything, and you went to the warm-up room. Yeah, like, trash. And there'd be a couple guys there on this bench, and you try to work. Hey, guy, You're Like, get lost, kid. Really? Get lost. We're <laughs> yeah, gonna be like, you know, a bunch of blacks and a bunch of whites, and be like some sort of racial thing right. going on. Like, you'd be like, I'm gonna meets where that was happening. And we're like, oh shit, man, these guys really? are gonna like go at it any minute now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Damn.
1: We used to, to meet where these bunch of guys that just got out of like for Prison used to have this team, and those guys were rolling the meets, and they were nasty, man. They really? were just like scary, nasty guys. Yeah. Damn.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because that I, you know, obviously haven't experienced that, but I haven't even really heard of that side of it too much. But I could see that, you know, especially something that was so underground, you probably had, you know, groups of people that were very tight knit, and then yeah. another group came They're in. Almost like gangs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it's funny. You're all to meet
1: there's gangs there in the world. <laughs> yeah,
0: the uh, something I've, I've talked to a lot of people about though, some of the coaches of today is that, especially with women, you see it where you know a pretty face or a nice butt gets you tons and tons of followers. Right. And um, you know, I used to know a girl who we, we were pretty close, and she she got into i mean she was already like a d1 athlete but you know she athletes often don't know that much if they're just getting coached by their college right their coach and so she lost some weight she got into powerlifting and within six months she put on our instagram powerlifting coach and it was just like i just gave her so much shit for because i was like what are you doing like just because and she was successful with it because she had some pretty solid genetics but it was just like you don't know in six months what you're doing you you know barely how to coach yourself you know it's so it's kind of unfortunate that it's so accessible I think
1: it's very common now for that to happen in bodybuilding my, my cousin Dave's a bodybuilder he's a prep coach you know mm-hmm. and he said the same thing it's like you know there used to be like prep coaches used to be guys who really walked the walk yeah. and really paid the dues and, and knew their shit and now every girl that does two figure shows is a prep coach you right, know? it's right. like you know it cuts it cuts into the real guys who really do it well yeah. you know and, and it cuts into their money and it makes everybody look stupid in the process. And the same thing is how the power thing. When I tell power today that, you know, six years ago, there's no such thing as a fucking power thing coach. Yeah. Because it was such an easy sport to learn. Yeah. You didn't need a power <laughs> thing coach. But now everybody needs a power I think it's like a badge of honor. It's like, oh, uh, like people come in here where they call me or send me messages. It's like, yeah, I want to join your gym. Um, I'm being coached by so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And then I look it up. I'm like, hey, you know your coach? Total 50 pounds less than the first total I did when I was 14. Yeah, and he's like 250 pounds. Like, hey, this is your coach, like, you know? And they just have no concept. They don't understand. It just well, know This guy has 30,000 Instagram followers, you know, yeah. and he's coaching me, and, and they run around and they get on the internet. Oh, my coach is killing me today. Oh, my coach is trying to, you know, that that little bullshit thing they yeah, all do. Sure. Like, it's come on, man. Nobody cares.
0: I think you also see it from the other side too. So I know when I first reached out to you about talking. And you had meant, I mean, you kind of warned me. You said, you know, I'm not like some of these like science-y guys, yeah, right? Yeah. And to me, even from that side, though, those people actually have the same complaints. What I mean by that is like, so my, one of my professors who's kind of like my mentor in undergrad, um, he, so Dr. Nicholas Radmus, I've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's a huge guy. So he's probably 250. Um, he's yeah. deadlifted. 250? Well. <laughs> huge? <laughs> if you saw him, he's a pretty big guy. It's high like um, school. <laughs> So he's deadlifted, I think, seven hundred for three, bench maybe four fifty, and I forget his squat. But you know, I mean, he, he definitely walks the walk, right? But he's published also like over a hundred journal articles, so he's very much in the science side. And you see that with a lot of these guys who, you know, they do get their PhD. And, and I could certainly see an argument for maybe somebody like you versus, let's say, a guy who doesn't lift but gets his PhD. I don't think there's anything wrong with the sciencey stuff. I just, it's just. But those those same guys will even say that, like, you know, whereas you're, you have so much experience with, like, competing and lifting, they'll say, well, we have so much experience with, like, the science stuff, right. and they're also annoyed by the guys on Instagram who have maybe done a year of looking stuff up, well, and, sure. and, and, and yeah. so either way, it's like, whether it's the research side or it's the competing side, and obviously some people do both, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably very frustrating to have somebody who has been doing this for almost no time. And even, you know, for me, obviously, I'm nowhere near as strong as him, and I haven't published papers like Dr. Ratchett. Yeah, you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> Let hold the beat up. <laughs> but, but even so, like, I have I have had conversations with Dave T. I've been around it a long time, and I've mm-hmm. at least seen it. So I do see where the frustration comes from, where it's like, and, and I'm sure when I was 14, I thought I knew a lot more than I did. Yeah, before. you don't, you don't have any idea the level, though, because unless
1: you talk to them, off camera. Yeah, probably, you know, probably. I, think, probably,
0: yeah. then, I mean I've, I've
1: talked to uh Kirk Kowalski. Kirk Kowski's the worst of all of them. Yeah. Like, he is bitter. He is so bitter. And he's like so you know vocal about it when yeah. you talk to him. It's just I can see why. I mean, he's he was an accomplished lifter, you know. Today you talked about Kirk Kowalski and his new lifters like, Who's that? Yeah. yeah they don't care. they don't know. You know, they have they have no idea. Meanwhile, they're worshiping some guy that can't squat his you know
0: warm-up weights. Right, so. right. Do you think that there's any do you think that's going to change at all, or do you think it's just going to keep progressing down? I don't think it's going to change. <laughs> you know, it's just—it's going to—if it does progress
1: to be anything weirder, I can, can't imagine what that would be. You know? Right. I'm—I'm right. I'm so out of touch. Again, a lot of us are really out of touch. Like when, when I first started the gym, I had good instincts for this business. You yeah. know what I mean? I was really in touch with what was going on because yeah. I was still relevant. You know, and it wasn't like all this social media stuff that really right. really changed a lot of things for us. And uh, now I have no instincts for this at all. Like I have no idea. Like I'll come up with a shirt design I think looks good, and I'll put it out there, and no one will buy it. Yeah. And then I'll look and see what the stuff people are buying. I'm like, you really just bought a shirt with a unicorn deadlifting over a <laughs> rainbow. Like what the fuck is that? But they sold ten million of them. I'm like, I would never. My wildest imaginations. but like, yeah. even like um, Mark Bell's um, slingshot. Yeah. Right. When I first saw that, I'm like, this is stupid. Who would want that thing? Yeah. Little did I know.
0: Really? She goes to show you what
1: I know, right? I mean I just I just thought I'm like, eh, it's a kind of a neat little thing,
0: but right, obviously, I can't right. imagine anybody yeah. buying
1: this things But they did.
0: I think um, and even like for me, like I'm a little bit out of touch because I'm, I'm not big on social media at all, really. I mean I'm trying to in the sense that like I I like to make it. I don't have a life, so. I uh, but obviously my full time gig is I'm a dentist, right? right? So I am fortunate enough that it's not you know, whether I have some success on Instagram or YouTube or whatever or not, it doesn't really impact my livelihood. There's but, no such thing as success on Instagram, really. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's always, what's the next thing? and, and yeah. so. But even I will see it, and I'll be amazed. Like, I had a friend in South Carolina, and she, when I first met her, she wasn't really doing anything on Instagram. And it's now just about a year later, you know, big fake boobs, makeup and everything. She's got, like... 300,000 followers. Really? No, <laughs> and it's it's like how how does that happen? But I think you just have to kind of realize like you, see, you know how it happens the fake boost. Yeah, right? yeah, it's it's it is kind of bizarre though and I think it's annoying whether you're from like the scientific evidence based crowd or the, you know, really like in the trenches crowd. Either way, it's kind of like what is happening now that, you know, pretty face or, you know, Photoshop or, you know, whatever what, uh, gets you there and a lot of filters. A lot of filters. Yeah, and so I don't I don't really know. <laughs> so for the people who let's say are really just want to hear from somebody who's, who's been there and done it. You know, obviously we can't get into like all of training programming or anything, but if somebody's just like, you know, I still want that side. I still want to do strongman or something like that. Just a basic, like, how would you even get started? Because you got started so young, right? So it's a little different.
1: I started before it was really an organized sport. You know, now it's a little more organized. Like, you yeah. have a website and all the contests are listed there. And um, every you know every state's got a bunch of contests and things like that. Right. So now it's easy. You just go into the NAS website you know, or the amateur side and you know, you pick, a, you pick a contest and then you find out, all right, what events are going to be in this contest? Then you go to whatever gym you can or you build your own equipment and train those events. You yeah. know? And there's a million uh, YouTube videos out there showing you how to loot, do stones and how to properly lift a log right. and how to properly do a yoke walk and all that. So it's not really that hard. I mean, it's not, yeah. Highland Games are a little different. It's hard to really teach yourself that stuff. So what I always tell people when I want to get into the Highland Games is, you know, they have a, there's a couple of Highland Games, uh, message boards out there like websites and stuff put a shout out or put a shout out on Facebook for any local groups of guys because usually guys will train on the weekends and it, you know four or five guys will go out with equipment to train you know find that group of guys hopefully near yeah. you and hook up with them and they're always accommodating it's one of those sports where no one's really paying a coach to teach it's always been handed down it's very mm-hmm. traditionally you know it has been handed down to me by uh, a friend of mine Paul Forensi down to me. I've handed it down to many people, and I actually have a girl here now who's one of the top women of the world in Island Games. Really? I started her off in games. I took her and coached her for her first few first few games, and she goes all the world now and competes. Really? Yeah, she's wow. really awesome. Very good.
0: Well, and that is one thing that I think is good about nowadays. It's more so, I guess, YouTube, but I guess Instagram too. Is that you really do have access to some of the best in the world? Yeah, that's e- the one thing now that's different. Yeah. When I was a kid, you couldn't just
1: say, "Yeah, I want to talk to the world champion." Yeah, uh, how do I get a hold of them? Now you can. You can put it. You I mean, know, shoot a message to Ed Cohen and he'll answer you. You know, yeah. I mean he, he's really responsive or you know, Bill Kazmaier, those guys, they're they're right at your fingertips yeah. now, and it's crazy because they're not big money guys. They're not right. big it's not like trying to get a hold of Michael Jordan, you know. Right, I mean these right. guys are accessible because they're just hanging around most of their, yeah. at their job <laughs> and they're sitting there in his you know, Instagram Zoom Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know, it's pretty easy. You can get a hold of anybody now. Geez, yeah. if you're on Twitter you can get Trump to
0: Right. <laughs> I was like, right. Right. Crazy. I'm sure you're
1: unresponsive to my fans. Right. Yeah. My many, many, many fans. Right. <laughs> no one sends me emails. just my. Email. I have no emails in my inbox.
0: Dude, uh, I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. Sure. Um, we'll get a little. We'll go yeah, around do a little here. tour. Yeah. 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 It'll be good. All right, guys. So we're just gonna do a little tour here. Iron Sports. All right. This is the main weight room here,
1: where all the magic happens. We have a giant Smith machine here, which everyone says, "Oh, Smith machine! You train on the Smith machine? Let me tell you something." You're old and have a million injuries like me this smith machine saves your ass i could do things on this that i cannot do on a barbell comfortably and effectively so don't knock the smith machine we got a couple elite fts collegiate racks here with all the bells and whistles and band pegs and everything else uh all the bars you see here we have a few bars we have a bunch of rogue ohio power bars which a great bar for the money probably the best bar out there for the money um a lot of specialty bars in the corner we really didn't mention. And I have Olympic bars over there, all Lico's, and uh, real nice stuff for the Olympic lifters. Over here is our oldest power rack from our, old, from our original gym, with the giant old power rack. And here's our brand new Elite FTS monolift Lift that we just put in, it's never even used yet. And uh, we got a Elite FTS combo rack, that we've had for a couple of years. We just got this in this week, just put it together, no one's using it yet. This is from Texas Straight Systems. it's real nice. Nice and tight. These our Olympic platforms. All our bumpers here are pretty beat up. They're all works the work song bumpers.
0: Where the dumbbells go up to? Dumbbells go up to 160.
1: Nice. Uh, our competition benches all elite FCS with these, uh, if, in case you ever, this company here makes these bench covers here, highly recommend these things. Cover your benches with them, no slit, protects the bench. They're fucking awesome, they, they're one size fit all. They're great. Um, Lead FTS Just incline using the Lead FTS belt squat that everybody seems to really like, it's a lot of yeah, nice. use. Yeah, I don't think
0: I've actually been to a gym that's had that. Yeah,
1: they have a, a lot, there's yeah. a lot of use man. You can do a lot of stuff with this thing if you really look around. This is our reverse hyper and our one of our newer Lead FTS blue hand raise, which I use a lot. Yeah. A couple of Nebula, we got got Nebula leg press, Nebula hack squat. A couple hammer pieces over here. And then we have our cable machine over there. Pretty much everything you need and really nothing you don't need. And I have other other leg machines and stuff in the other room there. Right. But uh, this, this place, has been we've been here in this building for 21 years, so this place gets, gets yeah. taken a beating. Gets, it rocks and rolls in this joint, man. Now you can tell, it's been here for a while, but you can also
0: tell you, you keep up to date with everything. Yeah, you know? we just actually painted and uh, I've been mean, keeping everything pretty clean. There it is, I'm sure. You guys have seen this around the internet, this is a guy.